Red has helped several pro athletes, companies, organizations, and sports teams overcome their mental blocks, reach their peak potential, increase their performance, produce more results, and just have more fun in their life and business. Bring me the energy, all right? will determine what you excited for this episode. We are doing a back-to-back today. I had to bring this episode in and do an extra one because the story is so inspirational. This story that you guys are going to hear today might be a little bit of a tearjerker, but at the end, it's going to leave you with total joy. No point intended. Let's bring the show in. This is the Entrepreneur Underdog, business secrets to help doubted entrepreneurs triumph. The Underdog Entrepreneur is where we use fast-acting shortcuts to help underdog entrepreneurs make more money, have a bigger impact, and live a better lifestyle so that they can prove their haters wrong. And now, your host, Roy Red. Roy Red. Hi, everybody. It's Roy Red, five-time best-selling author, international recognized speaker, and your host of this show, The Entrepreneur Underdog, where we share fast-acting shortcuts to help underdog entrepreneurs win in life and business. So like the intro said, they can prove their haters wrong, but in a positive way. Today, I am super excited. We have Joy Clausen Soto, who's going to be talking about finding joy in the middle of the ending. And let's just get right to it. I'm super excited for Joy to tell her story. Joy, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Let me see if I can change my background to look to go better with your uh with your background. Let's see. Let's set the tunnel. <laughs> 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 Bricks. Yeah. We might have to just keep it how it is. Let's do home office. I don't like that one either. All right, we'll keep it how it is. <laughs> so, Joy, um, thank you for taking your time out to come on the show to tell us your story and everything. I watched your TED Talk twice. Um, oh. When I first shared our uh, that we're going to do our interview on my Instagram story, I had a friend of mine reach out, and he watched your TED Talk too, and he was like, yo, that was amazing. Um, so he probably would be jumping in on the live watching us. 
But uh, real quick, tell everybody what you do and um, who you are. Well, my name is Joy Clausen Soto, and I am an author. I was a dolphin trainer for many, many years. I am a filmmaker. I made a documentary on myself. <laughs> and what else? Uh, TEDx speaker. So there's a lot of different things in there. Mom, wife, all of that. Mm -hmm. And so let's talk about kind of your TED Talk. Um, how long ago did you give your TED Talk? About two years ago. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. And and, mm -hmm. and that was at which fun. which TED was that? So it was TEDx Chula Vista. So it was really close okay. to me. Okay. So just really quick, let's just dive right into your story. You um uh, was diagnosed with CA a few years back. You had this curiosity about film. You had passion um about film and storytelling and you had uh, a purpose in life and then that was kind of derailed um in those times when you decided you wanted to do film kind of just paint the context of how your life was and why you wanted to go into film well when you say ca you mean cancer cancer yeah. I, don't, I haven't heard of it like that uh, I, I was in i'm sorry i was a medic before in my past life so that's what we call it that's oh, like I didn't realize that. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Uh, well, I had been a dolphin trainer for a few years, and I loved working with the animals, but I started getting into filmmaking, and I found myself at work, and I was just thinking about this other job. So I was at my dream job thinking about another dream job, uh -huh. and I would just kind of obsess about, okay, when I get home, I'm going to edit this, and I'll shorten this and lengthen this, and I had all these ideas, and I just found myself thinking more about this other career rather than the one that I was in. Yeah. And so there was a point where I decided to go for it and decide, I decided to go to film school. Mm -hmm. And so I left my dream job as a dolphin trainer mm -hmm. and I moved up to Ventura because they had a film school up there. Mm -hmm. And I started going to film school. And that was in September of 2001. And then uh, just three months later, so I was just, just starting in film school. Mm -hmm. I had started coughing a little bit and then before I knew it, um, I remember it was Thanksgiving and I still had this cough. It had been around for, I don't know, two or three weeks and it was getting worse instead of better. And then finally, at one point, I actually put my hand right here when I coughed. It was right. I walked into my uncle's house and I said hi to everyone. And then I did that when I coughed. Mm -hmm. And that was when I felt that there was something there. Yeah. And so there was a little lump that met my hand. And luckily, we went to urgent care that night mm -hmm. and that night. I could tell by the way the doctor talked to me that something was really bad because he told me that I need to see a doctor who I'd be seeing regularly. Mm -hmm. And I asked him if he thought it was leukemia only because I'd read an article about it in the, the room, you know, the waiting room before I saw him. And he just didn't answer me when I asked that. Mm -hmm. And he told me that it wasn't good, that it didn't hurt because he kept pressing on it saying, does this hurt? Does this hurt? And yeah. I said, no. And I kept thinking, oh, I'm pretty strong. He's, he must be impressed with me. Yeah. But he wasn't <laughs> impressed with me. He was concerned. And it turned out that it was cancer. So mm -hmm. that's kind of how my whole journey started. Mm -hmm. And uh, my TEDx is basically on 
how I was a filmmaker and I decided to be a director of, of and the subject in my same documentary. So um, it's how I was controlling elements in an uncontrollable situation, which I think we're all trying to do right now during the yeah. pandemic is trying to find some control. So during that time, I was trying to find some control and I really wanted to continue film school. I didn't want this to stop me from learning, but film school said no. Yeah, which is kind of crazy. You'd think that they'd be really supportive, but they weren't. Yeah. And so I remember sitting there and, and having to make a decision. So what do I do? Do I just let it go? And I'm a cancer patient now, or do I do something else? Yeah. And so I decided to find another way to, to continue learning. And I decided to make a documentary on myself. But yeah. there was a reason for that. Because I had seen all of these movies. I, I'm a filmmaker, right? So I yeah. love watching movies. Yeah. So I started watching all these movies to see what happens with people who have cancer. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? The most dramatic stories are when they die in the end. And there are, are people who die, but there are also people who survive. And there's millions of people who survive. And so that was the story I wanted to see as was the story of survival. And that was the story that I wanted to tell. And so I started out from my first chemotherapy treatment all the way to the end and beyond. Mm -hmm. And I showed everything that happened um, and all the love and friends that were around me and all the different emotions. So it was pretty cool. Yeah. You know, um, uh, Albert Camus uh, said that the only philosophical question worth contemplating is suicide. And my per, uh, interpretation of that was you always have a choice until you actually die. And, and if you don't wanna make a choice, then the only thing you can do is really just kill yourself. That was my uh, interpretation of that. And so in a world where, you know, a lot of my audience members ask me, how do you always stay motivated? How do you not procrastinate um, all of these super small things when we're chasing our business goals and life goals they're super small when you're faced with something like you were faced with and so i ask you how or what was your th mindset and how were you able to say i'm still going to work i'm still going to find purpose and passion in the middle of this because you could have easily just stopped doing anything and just rested and and just get ready for a long haul that you're in for. And um, but how were you able to still find something to do that was worthwhile in the middle of that? Two years before I found out I was sick, I mm -hmm. had listened to a um, motivational speaker named Zig Ziglar, <sighs> and he, he was do you love Zig Ziglar? I love Zig. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I listened to him two years before. I remember I went to the Chicago Public Library and I was looking for tapes to listen to because it was back when they had tapes. And I found like this really, you know, flashy one that was a motivational tape. And then I found another one and it was Zig Ziglar. And it was very plain, had like a stripe down it. And the only reason why I got it was because I had to hear what someone named Zig Ziglar sounded like. <laughs> and so I listened to the flashy one first. Mm -hmm. Didn't get me at all. You know, I started thinking about other things while this guy was talking. So I switched over to Zig. And I think it just depends on who you are and what you connect with. But for me, I connected with Zig 
because he would give all these lessons in these stories and these yeah. really relatable, funny stories. I mean, there's so much humor. And then he brings the point home at the end. He's a wonderful public speaker. Yeah. And um, there was one story about him going to the airport and he was really excited to get home. And so he gets to the front of the line and the lady said, your flight has been canceled. And instead of having the reaction that most of us would have had, which would be to be angry, upset, annoyed, anything negative, I think would be the common reaction. Yeah. He said, fantastic. <laughs> and he started listing to this gate agent all of the reasons why it was good that his flight had been canceled. Well, I figure there's something wrong with that plane or there's something wrong with the weather that plane will be flying in yeah. or there's something wrong with the people who will be flying that plane. Yeah. If that's the case, I don't want to be up there. I want to be right down, down here. here. <laughs> Fantastic. And I mean, I'm summarizing it. So it's such a wonderful story when you hear it from him. But I'd heard that two years before I got sick. Yeah. And I loved it so much that I would tell that to my coworkers. And then when something would go wrong, they would say, fantastic, you know, and it just kind of changes the way you think about things. Yeah. You don't think about it negatively. You don't hear people complain. They say a positive word instead. Yeah. And so I had just been diagnosed with cancer. I was maybe ooh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Uh -huh. I was five days in. I had an experience. This is all in the book that I wrote. Uh -huh. I had an experience with um, uh, someone who I thought cared about me. In fact, last time I saw him, he said, uh, he said, you make me so happy. Yeah. And then I let him know that I thought I had cancer. I left a message and he never called me back. And so all those days passed by. And then Tuesday, I ended up calling him from my aunt's phone. And my aunt had an uh, uh, unlisted phone number. Yeah. And so he picked up and I said, hi, it's Joy. And he hung up on me. And I got so angry. Because, I mean, who would do that, right? That's just a horrible, horrible thing to do. And so when I got that angry, this lump that didn't hurt when the doctor pressed on it, the doctor told me it was bad that it hurt, all of a sudden it started hurting. And I realized that my emotions and how I was feeling was actually affecting me physically. Yeah. And in that moment, I thought of Zig and that story of him being stuck in the airport. Yeah. And I thought, if he can do that with cancer, I'm sorry, if he can do that with being stuck in the airport with his flight being canceled, I can do that with cancer. And so that's what I started doing. I started listing all the reasons why it was good that I had been diagnosed with cancer. Yeah. And that was huge for turning around my perspective. Yeah. And I think that's really important for anyone to do is like, if you start listing off all the negative things, I don't have money, you know, this isn't going right for me. I, we all have that stuff going, but if you focus on it, that's all that's going to come to you. You got to focus on the good stuff, what you have the love in your life from your family, your friends, um, and just kind of go off of that and that will help you. So I, I started going through all of that gratitude list again yeah. and again. And I think because I was doing that, it opened me up and I was able to make the decision to make that documentary because yeah. that happened before I made the decision to make the documentary and yeah. take back some control of my life. Because that, that was a big part of making the documentary was taking back some control. Yeah. You know, I teach... Uh, my athletes and in my books and just anyone who you know wants to listen that it doesn't matter what happens what happens to you it matters what really matters is how you interpret what happens to you and no matter what I tell them I can prove them in neuroscience that we take in the information and then we decide on that information and then that, that dictates the output uh, another way I'll put it 
is how huge gratitude is. Like we only take care of things that we're grateful for. If you're grateful for a new car, you're out there, you're washing it. And our obstacles are actually the raw material we need to make and create our future. And I say like, without being grateful for the obstacles, you, you, your brain won't figure out ways to get through it and be creative. And no matter how many ways, you know, people listen and, you know, it works, but sometimes people have been through so much of a struggle that they're just like, Roy, you can't relate. You've never been through what I've been through. And the thing is, they're right. I've never, I've, we've all been through tough times and I've been through times that are tougher than a lot of people, but there's also a lot of people who's been through much tougher stuff than me, like yourself. And so I just think it was amazing that you had a pre-frame from Zig that mm-hmm. able to get you through that. Cause um, I, one of my regrets is I never got to see uh, Zig speak in person because I didn't get into this till I got older, but um, a friend of mine saw him in one of his last speeches and he rolled up in a wheelchair and he was on mm-hmm. oxygen and he stood up, took the oxygen off, gave his speech for 45 minutes, short of breath, sat back down in his wheelchair, put his oxygen back on. And it's like, that is who he was, was authentically. And he was able to transmute that energy into the world that really helped other people and was able to help, um, was able to give a thinking tool to preframe to help you get through those instances. And so when you're interpreting so-called negativity or bad problems, um, what is your go-to immediately? Is it just fantastic or how how else do you work through it? Um, if sometimes you're stuck and maybe you're a little mad, how do you uh, kind of work through those things? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think I, I don't know. <laughs> the, the gratitude thing really is such a huge thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just reframing it because if I look at all the negative things, it's going to bring me down and I cannot come up from that. Cause then you have just that weight. Have you ever read the bell jar? Like in high school, they made me read the bell jar. I didn't like it. (laughs) It's like this, it's this whole book about depression and it's by Sylvia Plath. It's a famous book. Um, but that's kind of how you feel when you have the weight of the world on you. So for me, it's it's sometimes it's just listening to Zig Ziglar, honestly. So if you can listen to someone that motivates you, whether it's Zig Ziglar or it's Roy Red or someone else in your life who you you really get motivated from, that just kind of changes your thinking enough for you to start getting out of it and start thinking of other ways to uh, approach the obstacle that you have. So um, uh, Zig would say um, that people would come up to him all the time and say, I-, I forgot how good I felt when I listened to you. And he'd say, well, why did you ever stop? <laughs> because you really have to put that work in and that energy in every day to yeah. p- putting good stuff into your mind. So I think that's an important thing to do. And that that's what I would do if I'm in a bad spot again, is, is yeah. if I'm smart, listen to Zig Ziglar. <laughs> yeah. You know, when I was watching your TED Talk, the part that made me tear up was when you were cutting your hair and so watching you and what was that was that your brother at the time husband yeah. your brother my brother and him cutting your hair and um uh the part of it that was so amazing and resonated with me 
um, is the part where he was kind of joking with you because, yeah. you know, my friends, that is kind of how we uh, deal with stress. We uh, have this saying, we say nobody's safe, which means you can get made fun of at any time. <laughs> and a friend of mine um, got in a car accident and he was like, like uh, near death for a few days, had tubes, just really bad. And finally, we were able to go see him at the hospital and he was alert. And he could only open one eye <laughs> and he was a good looking guy. And um, when we walked in, um, you know, that tension is there. That sadness is there. And one of my friends looks at him and was like, oh, damn, you're not going to get no girls now. Look at you. And he started laughing with the tube in his throat. And so I really resonated with that part. Um it seemed like that might have been the hardest part for you. How was it when you had to cut your hair and 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 go through the chemo? What was the hardest uh, part for you, if that wasn't? Uh, that was one of the hardest parts because I was going through the chemo and it wasn't that bad. And then when I had to shave my head, that mm-hmm. was that was when I became what I'd seen on TV. Mm-hmm. of a cancer patient because mm-hmm. then I was bald like like they were mm-hmm. and so now all of a sudden I was I was something that I never thought that I would be or encounter in my life so mm-hmm. um that was one of the hardest things and then honestly coming back from it all because I'm so grateful that I was cancer free and I got that news but then they mm-hmm. say go back to normal life and I'm like I'm bald. My muscles have atrophied. I have PTSD, but I don't know it yet. (laughs) So um, it it wasn't easy for me to go back because I had just changed my career Mm -hmm. and I floundered for years, not just months, but I floundered for years. It took me one year to finally see a therapist and be like, "Uh, I keep thinking about being sick every single night. I'm asleep. And so uh, she said, oh, that's PTSD. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I yeah. probably should have seen someone earlier. Yeah. Um, so I got to talk to someone about that, but it took years for me to get back on my feet and be the person I was before. And I think that that was probably, that was the hardest part. Yeah. And so um, finally, at one point, I made the decision to go back to SeaWorld because that's where I've been the happiest. I got to play with the dolphins. And do, I mean, you can't have a bad day when you get to just kiss and hug a dolphin. Yeah. So I went back there and that's where I ended up meeting my husband. And um, I started a program there for kids who have cancer from mm-hmm. Children's Hospital where they get to go to the park and meet a dolphin. Yeah. And so all of that wouldn't have happened if I hadn't lost my way. Um, I, if I hadn't been with the wrong person, you know, like all of these paths in life, they seem like, well, why is this happening? But then when you look back, you're like, oh, well, it happened so I could meet this person or I can go down this path or I could help all these hundreds of kids who have gone through the program uh, and brighten their day and and help them with their self-esteem to kind of build it back up after it's been broken down by an an illness like cancer or something else like that. Yeah. 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 You're a true testament of the obstacle is the way. Uh, Tell me more about documenting. How did that go? Um, Did you just carry a camera every day? Uh, Did you invent vlogging? I feel like you invented vlogging. Honestly, I probably did, but we didn't have... I don't know when YouTube really got popular, but that wasn't happening back then. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I I think I did, but then it took me a long time to actually get my documentary out and because I really wanted a happy ending, but it wasn't quite what I wanted. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I do kind of feel like I started that way. Yeah. 
not that anyone would ever know that. So, mm-hmm. um, but I would take my camera with me everywhere. So I would stay five nights in the hospital getting my chemotherapy and, um, I would bring my little camera bag and, and my tripod under one arm and then wheel my, what's it called? My IV pole mm-hmm. with the other. And I'd, I'd ask them if I could use the conference room. And so they'd let me take a, a room in the middle of the night and I'd get to go in there and do my little journal entry there and talk to the camera. Mm-hmm. And it was actually really therapeutic because I got to tell the camera how scared I was um, yeah. because probably your, your friend who got into the accident, yeah. he may have been scared. I'm sure he was and had mm-hmm. all those emotions. But the best thing that you guys did was to go in there and be normal and joke around with him because mm-hmm. that lifts his spirits. Like it, it, the hardest thing for me also when I was going through this was when I'd see people just look at me with sadness in their eyes and like, why you, why would this happen to you? You're such a good person. And I'm like, you know, it it would bring me down and I go, yo, I'd actually start thinking that why me, you know, I'd have to make sure I was away from people who would do that and make sure I was around the strong people who would joke or even if they just talked when I was there to each other, I loved hearing them talk about whatever. And then I, I had this one friend who complained to me once about a shoulder he took me out to um, dinner, and he's an old friend of mine, and he goes to put on a seatbelt. And meanwhile, I have this port they just put into my chest to give me chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. So he has shoulder surgery. I just had surgery here. Plus, I have cancer, and I'm bald. I'm wearing a wig. And he starts complaining about his shoulder. And I was like, are you – I had a moment going, are you kidding me? I have cancer, like, in my head. And then I thought, get over yourself, Joy. Just like he has something too. And I was so glad that he did that because I think a lot of people wouldn't feel like they could say that, like they couldn't complain to me about something because, whoa, you're going through this and it's so bad. No, I want to hear it. Tell me something that doesn't have anything to do with cancer. Yeah. You know, that question of why, why me, why this, and um, our human being innate need for answering the question why, which and 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 looking for that existential moment of truth when there's so much we don't understand and not every we don't even I don't even know if everything has a why um how did you deal with that thought that question did you uh get through it by framing it your way how did you um navigate that part uh well i i'm not super religious but i'm <laughs> I'm, I guess you call it spiritual, right? So it's funny because I read someone's comment on someone else's book and they're like, "Um, I don't believe in God. So this is horrible. And they gave him like a one star. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, just why would you do that? I mean, people who give the reviews are ridiculous sometimes. And so um, I really just kind of threw it back there and I thought, well, God thinks I'm strong enough. And when I was younger, my dad had told me, because I had a lot of relatives die when I was young. And he told me that... um, we, this is his explanation to a little girl was, um, we all need to be here for a certain amount of time to learn certain lessons, um, and to teach other people lessons. And sometimes that means just a couple of hours for a child. And sometimes that means a whole lifetime. And so I thought, okay, these are the lessons I need to learn. And I'm going to help other people learn lessons too, through this. And I'm grateful if I live and I'm grateful if I die. And, and that actually helped me get back some control too, because I, 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 this is going to sound horrible, but I didn't want to be fighting when I was dying. I wanted to be okay if I was going to die. So I, I had a moment where I actually said that to the camera of being grateful for everything, whether I survive or whether I, you know, I, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. 
a gratitude, man, it's not just some esoteric thing. It literally rewires your brain and your body and puts it in a plastic state for, for great things. It's so amazing. All right, let's talk about transitioning back to regular life after you found out. First, no point intended, how did you feel when you found out you were cancer-free? How did that feel? Oh, it felt unbelievable. It was it was unbelievable, and I was super happy, but mm-hmm. I think that was short-lived because I still had to go through two more chemotherapy rounds, and I it would affect me a lot, so I need to get lots of blood transfusions just to you know, be okay. Um, so I still had fire to work, walk through. Um, and I was scared, honestly, cause it can come back. So yeah. I was, I was happy and grateful, but I was very cautiously op- optimistic about it. So I, I wasn't taking anything for granted. And this is I, like, I know people ring that bell, which is super awesome. Yeah. I barely remember as I was walking on my last chemo, I, I stayed there for the five days. I'm walking out and it's like in the middle of the night and someone said, do you want to ring the bell? And I'm like, <laughs> I was I was really terrified that it would come back and I didn't want to like jinx it in my mind by by ringing this bell so um if I see all these videos of people ringing the bell I think it's super cool <laughs> my um, be- but uh-huh. yeah. no go ahead go ahead no um I, I forgot what else you were asking uh-huh. <laughs> my my best friend Cameron uh had stage four kidney failure and you know years went by and we didn't think he was going to get a kidney and then finally he gets a call like, we're going to rush you to surgery. We got a kidney for you. We had someone who went through a traumatic incident. And so he rushes to the hospital, gets his COVID test, gets everything done. And after the surgery, he wakes up. And I love it when he tells the story. He tells it better. But he wakes up and was like, we done? Did it, did it, did it, did it work? And they were like, yeah, yeah, we're done. He was like, he's like, where's the Foley? Is there urine in there? Is there urine? And they were like, yes, you're producing urine. And he, and he went, let's go and started screaming at the top of his lungs because we played sports. So like anything, anything good happens, like no matter where we're at, we're we're wired to put that emotion out. So he screamed out, let's go. Like he just hit like a game winning shot. And so I that can only awesome. imagine how you felt at that time. Um, and transitioning back to transitioning to regular life. Um, how did you repurpose? How did you reset goals and um, um, all of that good stuff? Starting from probably not the ground up, but starting from um, being back with your health and not worrying about that. Well, I was still floundering. I like really, it took me five years to get back on my feet, which is yeah. crazy to even think about that. But mm-hmm. I, I, it was for me to make the decision that I was living a life that I wasn't happy with. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, you know, doing some video editing stuff, but it was not fun. I didn't like it. It wasn't like mm-hmm. swimming with the dolphins and what I've been doing before. Um, I was just working in a restaurant at the time just to help pay the bills. And I was incredibly unhappy and just wondering what my purpose in life was. And so I finally just made a decision to go back to what I loved, which was to be working with the dolphins. And mm-hmm. so I... I just put that plan into action. It was my, in the book, I, I listed as my plan to escape because I was also in a bad relationship at the time. And so I, I ended up hiring a swim teacher because you needed to, to pass a swim test in order to get hired at SeaWorld. Mm-hmm. So I started swimming and practicing and um, just really working really hard to be able to get back there and pass the swim test because it was a really rigorous test. And then I ended up getting um, bronchitis right before I 
<laughs> I took the test about a month before I took the test. I had super bad bronchitis and I still took the test. I remember my boss asking if anyone there was sick and I was like, <laughs> I raised my hand <laughs> a little bit. And he said, yeah, but you're not that sick, right? I'm like, no, I'm not that sick. <laughs> yeah. So I took the test and I did it, but I, I still, anyway, I did it and I got the job. Um, but I, I did all the stuff that I didn't think I could do. And that's when I started rebuilding my life was when I back, went back to what I was the happiest doing. Mm -hmm. And then it was shortly after that, that I started the program for kids who have cancer from Rady Children's Hospital and Children's mm -hmm. Hospital Los Angeles, where they would come down to the park and get in the water with a dolphin. Mm -hmm. And the coolest part about that was that I would introduce myself to them and I would yeah. let them know that I had also been treated at Children's Hospital and that I had cancer just like they did. Yeah. Um, and I was treated there a long time ago. And now look at what I get to do. I get to work here at my dream job and I get to share it with you. Yeah. And you could just see their faces light up and they would share with me what kind of cancer they have. And I remember one kid saying, I just try to be positive. And it, it, so it's really special when you can be a role model for other people who are in you know, the fire and going through it right now and to show them, hey, there's light at the end of the tunnel and you can do whatever it is you want to after this. Yeah, amazing, amazing. Joy, tell us about your book. Um, obviously, what, we, uh, what inspired you to write it and what we will learn and take away from uh, reading the book. Well, my book, I only have the, the ones I got before um, with this little stripe on it because <laughs> I gave away my only good book to the mother of uh, this girl that I talk about in the book. Uh -huh. uh, but it, my book is called Joy, the Story of a Dolphin Trainer, Filmmaker, and Cancer Survivor. And it basically follows me from when I was applying for SeaWorld in the first place and how I was able to pass that test with visual, visualization, it was kind of a crazy story how it all worked out. And it just shows that how powerful your mind is, not just with cancer, but with anything. Because I passed a physical test. I'm sure you understand this with athletes since you were an athlete and you work with athletes now, but um, how important that mindset is and the visualization. So I, um, I go through that and then I talk about how I was sick. So I, there's so many different points where people can relate to um, different things in the book, like uh, relationships and going through a struggle like cancer, or just getting back on your feet when something is going wrong. So, um, and then just finding beauty in that broken road, because I think that a lot of us are looking for the purpose in our lives. And that was something that I was definitely doing, and I still do to this day. Mm -hmm. But I feel like by sharing my story, I, I am doing something that's very important because I'm giving other people hope and people right now are powering through my book. Like I, I just got another, someone got the book yesterday, powered through it again, said that she couldn't put it down. She said she's never read a book in a day before. She read it in a few hours. It's like 198 pages yeah. and she just loved it. So um, I, I'm getting lots of good feedback from everyone. And I think it's just really inspiring. So I think that's what you're going to get is, uh, a story that is relatable and of, yeah. of how someone got through the, the fire and some inspiration of how they can get through it too. Yeah. Um, it reminds me of a couple stories, Bible stories. Um, one, um, and you guys should read these stories. These stories are amazing and they help me through so much. Um, uh, my One is when Jesus went, actually Jesus went to hell and he walked through hell to grab the keys to his life 
and to prosperity. And he walked out and it said when he walked in, all of hell was cheering and clapping and was happy. Like we got them. We got their best one, their best soldier. We got Jesus. And they didn't know that he, he was going to walk through there without getting touched and take the keys to the kingdom back. And um, the second story was about Job where uh, God had a bet on Job's life. And he said, you know what? Do whatever you do to Job. Because the devil said, you know, God was bragging about Job. Like, look at Job. He's faithful. He's rich. He's amazing. And the devil said, well, that's because you have your hand on him. Let me get at him a little bit and he'll curse you. And God was like, Job? No, that wouldn't happen. That's my good friend. And so he said, all right, what would you like to wager? And God said, okay, go ahead. You can do whatever you want to him, but don't touch his, don't kill him. And so he put boils on his skin, took away his family, did everything, took away his riches. And um, they said Job was sitting there and his wife came to him and was like, you're a good friend. God has cursed you. And he goes, no, my friend would never do that to me. And he said, I still love God. And he stayed faithful. And um, God kind of looked at the devil like, I told you, that's my man. He, he's faithful no matter what, not just because his life was going good. And then the story says that God gave Job everything back times like seven or something like that. Because after you just uh, made a bet on some guy's life, you got to return <laughs> everything you won in the bet, right? And so, uh, Joy, anyone who is watching this right now who's going through struggle, um, I could be a cancer patient, just someone going through regular struggle, someone who's going through mental struggle because of COVID that's going through anything, what can you tell them to give them some certainty during this uncertain time to help them get through? I think the most powerful thing is that the whole control thing and what I got from Zig Ziglar, so I'm not going to claim that this is mine, but is it's really important to know the difference between responding and reacting. And so he would compare it to medicine, right? So if the doctor says that your body is responding to the medication, then that's a good thing. But if your body is reacting to the medication, then that's a bad thing. And so that's what he did with that airport story. He said, fantastic. And that was him responding. So, you know, it doesn't mean that he felt like that was fantastic right away, but he was able to get there by by responding to that situation. So I think just, you know, um, taking a moment to assess it and figure out a way to get around it, um, make something beautiful out of what's going on. That's that's kind of that's what I'm really proud of myself for doing right now. And I know it's many years down the line, but I, I made something beautiful out of having cancer and yeah. I'm able to share that with other people right now. So, yeah. um, but get into a positive mindset and listen to people who inspire you and man, it will just change that mindset tremendously. Yeah. Well, you are amazing. Your book's awesome. Your speaking is awesome. You look awesome. Um, if anyone wants to connect with you, how can they find you? They can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Joy Clausen Soto. I'm also at joyclausensoto.com. Um, and then my book is on Amazon. So if you want to go there to Amazon, you can pick it up over there. Thank you so much, Joy, for hopping on. Um, I know you're going to get me off of here right now, but I kind of want to tell you a story. Can I tell you a story? Go, go. We want to hear okay, it. Okay. Your front so you stage. Ziggler. Okay, great. 
So you love Zig Ziglar. I want to tell you a Zig Ziglar story. Okay, go. Because I was making the documentary, and at one point I wanted to put in his words. And so uh -huh. I wrote to um, Zig Ziglar, and I said, hey, you really helped me get through cancer. I want to know if I could use his words in the documentary. And so um, if you know anything about Zig Ziglar, he has this um, secretary named Lori Majors. And so Lori Majors responds to me in an email. And then before I know it, she said, yes, it's, of course, it's fine for you to use it. And then before I know it, I'm getting calls from people at Zig Ziglar saying um, that they wanted me to actually fly out to Texas <laughs> and to meet Zig Ziglar and to give a speech to him about what I'd been through. And so before I knew it, they flew me out to Texas. I met everyone there. They like loaded me up with this big bag full of all the motivational stuff. I mean, it was really heavy. I was like, oh, I don't know how to eat this much. <laughs> so heavy. And I went into a room and I went up to give a speech. And I remember that Zig sat on the right side and he was like two rows back and there's a bunch of other people in there. And I gave the story telling him about how he affected me. And I gave, and I even had like a Zig Ziglar accent because I would do it to everyone else. And I did it in there and I kind of paused like, oh, <laughs> that was an awful, fantastic. <laughs> So, uh, and then after I gave my story to him, when we walked out, he shook my hand and, and he said, you should write a book. And if you write a book, I'll find you a publisher for it. And at that point, I just happened to be in a really bad place in my life. So I was like, uh, I don't, I didn't feel like I was at a point where I should write a book, but he was the one who got into my head that I should write a book. Yeah. And so all of these years later, here I am, I finally wrote a book and I, I self-published it. So um, I'm doing it all on my own, but I'm super happy that he inspired me to write that book. That is so amazing. You know, it, something about the book, writing a book that changes you and really uh, helps others to change their life, because that's what my first mentor told me. He was like, you got to write a book. And same thing. That was 2011. I didn't get my first book done until 2016. But mm -hmm. man, that's so amazing. So awesome. I'm going to listen to Zig Ziglar today on, when I'm at the gym. Okay. <laughs> well, listen to him. Joy, thank you so much. If you need anything, let me know. Future promotion, whatever you need. If you need to come back on the show to talk about anything. And I think you need to do a TED Talk about post. All the good stuff that happened and, and everything um, after um, uh, yeah. you, were, you were found cancer-free. I think that would be amazing. Um, yeah, that would be really cool. Thank you. Thank you, Joy. I appreciate you so much for coming on. And that's it. Okay. Well, thank you so much for having me, Roy. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone who's on live right now. We're going to post this on every audio platforms in two days because we just did an episode. But thank you for everyone who's on live. The video will post right now. I hope you enjoyed this as much as we enjoyed making it for you. Till next time. Peace out. This is the Entrepreneur Underdog. Business secrets to help doubted entrepreneurs triumph. The Underdog Entrepreneur is where we use fast-acting shortcuts to help underdog entrepreneurs make more money, have a bigger impact, and live a better lifestyle so that they can prove their haters wrong. And now, your host, Roy Red. Roy Red.